You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we begin a new sermon series examining Paul's letter to the Colossian church in Colossae. Hope you'll enjoy the message. It's entitled Faithfulness and Fruit. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you today to open your Bibles to the short book of Colossians, the letter to the Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. I'm excited today to begin a new sermon series as we go through one of the prison epistles from the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. I'm so glad to see everybody present this morning. I had a pastor friend of mine. Uh, he, he posted this last year. He said, you know, as pastors, we, we see an empty tomb and celebrate an empty tomb on Easter Sunday. And the Sunday after Easter, instead of the empty tomb, we see empty pews. I'm glad that's not the case this morning. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, I'm looking forward to exploring this book with you. Uh, it's a short read. We're going to look at the first 10 verses this morning. Let me tell you some interesting facts about this book as we get ready to jump right in it. Paul's the author, the Apostle Paul. Most of you know his story, converted on the the road to uh, Damascus. It was written in A.D. 60 to 61 from Rome during uh, his first imprisonment while he was in prison. It's the 51st book in the Bible, the 12th book in the New Testament. The eighth of Paul's 13 books and 15 books follow it. There's only four chapters in this book, only 95 uh, verses, so it's a short book. This is one of what's called the prison epistles. They're titled that because the Apostle Paul, while he, he wrote these while he was a prisoner in Rome. The other epistles written from, written from prison are Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon. The church at Colossae was established by a man named Epaphras. At the time of this letter, this is something interesting about it. It was uh, Paul had never been here. He never met any of these people he's writing to. This letter was sent to Rome uh, to Colossae by Tychus and the converted slave that we read about in December when we read in Philemon the converted slave Onesimus. In the book of Ephesians, that prison epistle it focuses on the body of. Christ, the church. Colossians focuses on the head of that body. It focuses on Christ. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to go right here because I want us to fall madly in love with Jesus. Colossians is such a Christ-centered book. You'll find Christ mentioned uh, 19 times. Christ Jesus mentioned three times. Lord, eight times. Lord Jesus Christ, two times. The pronouns he, him, his, 30 times. Whom, four times. Firstborn, two times. The head, two times. The son, one time. Master, one time. Paul wanted these Colossians to fall in love with Jesus. It's all about Jesus and Christ being above all. According to Colossians 4.16, he wanted this letter read to the surrounding congregations around Colossae. And where was Colossae? Colossae was about 100 miles east of the big city Ephesus. It was located in the region of the seven churches in, in Asia Minor. And it was a populous commerce, commerce center famous for its glossy black wool. It's an interesting little book. And like I said, it's just read all about Jesus. This morning, I'm going to focus on the first 10 verses. And I've entitled this this morning... 
faithfulness and fruit. So let's read the first 10 verses and then I'll go in it uh, verse by verse in just a second. But it says Colossians chapter 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, and to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it is also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth as also you learned from Epaphras our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. I read this this morning, and, and something interesting I find about the book of Colossians versus the other epistles, uh, especially the prison epistles. Usually in Paul's epistles, you see a problem addressed. You usually, like in Galatians, you see it's, it's legalism, just plain as day. And he says, you foolish Galatians, and he addresses a specific problem. Or maybe in, in Romans, you see the, the letter to the Romans he asks the question about a license to sin, basically. Should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? But in Colossians, you really don't find a specific problem addressed. We'll talk about some stuff later as we get on. But really, in Colossians, we just see Christ presented. We see the solution more than we see the problem and I argue today, I've often argued as I read the Bible, I see the problem in the early church, the same problem we see today in the modern church. The problem is often license and legalism. License, the idea we're saved by grace so we can live however we want to live. I can, I can take that alcoholic beverage, I can get drunk as a skunk on Saturday because Jesus paid it all, right? So I've got a license to sin. That's a problem. Solution to that problem is faithfulness. But then there's the other end of the spectrum, and that's the problem of legalism. Thinking that, that we've got to earn our salvation, that no way can I touch an alcoholic beverage, or no way can I be a part of this, no way can I do this. I've got to follow the letter to the law, and if I, if I mess up in just one part, then I'm going to lose it all. And that's the problem too. And if license and legalism is the problem, well, church, I submit to you today, the solution to that problem is faithfulness and fruit. If you're faithful to Jesus, well, you're not going to be worried about having a license to sin because you're going to hate it just as Jesus hated it. You're not going to be a part of it. And if you're faithful to Jesus, like it says in James, show me person of faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So you're going to produce works and those works we call fruit. Faithfulness and fruit is the solution to the problem of license and legalism. 
And in these ten verses, I see these two terms mentioned right from the onset. Uh, in these ten verses, excuse me. So let's read through it this morning a little bit more in detail. Let's look at the greeting. You see from the, the, the get-go, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Paul's saying here he's an apostle. That's an important, an important thing to know, an apostle of Jesus. The apostles were commissioned by Jesus Christ himself. I don't believe there, there might be people that hold that title today, but an actual apostle of Jesus. There's nobody else besides these original 12 who were commissioned by Jesus Christ himself to give us these words. Paul is saying these words are not coming from me. They're coming from Jesus Christ because I was commissioned by him to give them to this church at Colossae and through his word to us today. And then he says, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 2, we see this word faithful for the first time. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. From the very onset, I see that faithfulness is important. That's truth number one from the text. Faithfulness is important. Christ calls us to be faithful. Paul wanted them to realize from the very introduction, this man that, that he had, they had never met and that Paul had only heard of this church, he wanted them to realize that their faithfulness was noteworthy and their faithfulness was to be desired by, by everybody. He wrote not to the church members. He didn't say in this letter like the other letters to the church. He said no to the saints and faithful brethren. Every person in this place today knows what it's like to be faithful. I will be married to my wife next Sunday is our anniversary for 12 years. And I will tell you, to be a good husband requires me to be faithful to her. For you to be a good wife, it requires you to be faithful to your husband. Maybe you're not married, maybe you never will be, but you know what it takes to be a good employee. You've got to be faithful to your employer. You've got to show up on time. You've got to be honest. Your boss doesn't expect you to take a, a dozen breaks during the day and steal money from him. Be a faithful LSU fan. You're going to watch and cheer for the team, and you're certainly not going to cheer for Bama. We know what it takes to be a faithful church member to come to church. But church, I'm going to tell you, to be a faithful Christian, we must be faithful to Christ. Faithfulness is important. Jesus said for us to take up our cross and follow him, to be faithful, to, to follow him to the ends of the earth, not just on Easter, not just on Christmas, not just for our children's events or vacation Bible school, or even just on Sundays, but every day and in everywhere to be faithful in Christ Jesus. Where was the Colossians faith? What was the faith that he noticed? You see that in the next couple of verses in verses three and four. He says this, we give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always of you since we heard of your faith. Where's that faith? In Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Their faith was in Christ Jesus. Truth number two, our faith should be in Christ Jesus. Christ alone, like we sung a minute ago. Paul exhorted them and he gave thanks to God for them. Of all the things he could have said thank you for, he thanked them, thanked God for their faithfulness in Christ and their love 
for all the saints. He didn't say, we give thanks always for your faithfulness to meet every Sunday, although it's something to be commendable. We, we give thanks that you're faithful to your spouses. You've got a good marriage. Or we give thanks that you're a faithful father. No, I'm thankful that you're faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. The church, like I said earlier, Paul knew, like you and I know, if you're faithful to Jesus, all that other stuff just works itself out. Being faithful to Christ, what does that look like? What does that mean? Being faithful to Christ means following His commandments. Being faithful to Christ means following His Word. It means making Him king of your life. It means being faithful uh, to His desires, not to my wants and desires no more. I'm, I'm sold out. I'm going to be faithful to Him. It means loving like, like Jesus loved. And, and I believe that's why he goes on in the latter part of verse 4 where he says, and of your love for all the saints. He also thanked God for their love for all the saints because being faithful in Christ, that means you're going to love his body and his bride, his church. What a gift. What a gift Christ has given us to be with brothers and sisters in Christ. We should love the saints, pray for the saints, encourage the saints of God. Faith in Christ makes us look like Christ and gives us a heavenly mindset. No, no, no other faith does that. Every other faith you have ends up letting you down. You can have faith in your pastor all you want, and there will be times when, when I meet every expectation, but there will be times when I just let you down. Because I'm not Christ. You can have faith in your parents. And I'll tell you, as a father, there's going to be times, there's probably already been times when I let my children down. You can have faith in your spouse. There'll be times when they let you down. Faith in your children. Children aren't perfect. One day they'll let you down. But our faith in Christ is the one place that never lets us down. It's the one place that brings us what nobody else can give us Hope. And that's the third truth this morning. You see that in verse 5, the first part of uh, verse 5a. He says, uh, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. What does faith in Christ bring? It brings a lot of stuff, but if nothing else, it brings hope. The hope which is laid up for you, for the believers, for the faithful in heaven. Church, I, I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart, the whole world is looking for, for hope. And Paul is reminding them here that, hey, they have what the rest of the world is looking for because of their faith in Jesus. As a Christian, man, we have reason to rejoice because we have hope. We've got hope that, that one day the, the sickness, the, the cancer, the COVID, uh, the flu, the common cold, one day all of that will end. One day there'll be no more wars. One day there'll be no more curse. One day there'll be no more prejudice. One day uh, there will be no more sin. One day we will be with the Lord always. Like Kelly sang about earlier. We've got that hope. How does one get this hope? Where does this hope come from? How did the Colossians receive this hope? And I don't want to miss it this morning because it's important. These Colossians and, and maybe your life, and I know my life has been changed 
by the hope. How did I receive that hope? By hearing it from somebody else. It says in the later part, which is laid up for you in heaven, in verse 5, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you. Faith comes from hearing the truth of the gospel. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This gospel we have, this hope that we have, we should share it. How will they hear? How will they believe if they don't hear? The word, the word of the truth, these blessed words we have in our New Testament tells us that we all like sinners have gone astray. The word tells us that that we're wretched in our sins. The word tells us that we all deserve eternal separation from God. But God, who is rich in mercy, gave his life for us on a cross that we may be set free from bondage and have everlasting life, have hope. Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. One who's received this hope. Is going to be a difference maker in the world around them. One who's faithful to Jesus is going to produce fruit. Faith changes the mindset. Faith brings forth hope. Faith gives birth courage. And lastly, like Paul writes us in the next few verses, and it's the next truth, the, go, the, the gospel or faith in Christ, it brings forth hope fruit it brings about change tangible things that that we can see happen in the life of a believer and we see this in verses uh six and seven I'll read to verse eight it says which has come to you is also in, in all the world and is bringing forth fruit and is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of god in truth as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. What great news, this great news, this gospel that they heard, this gospel that, that I've heard and many of you have heard, the gospel that, that I've responded to and hopefully many of you have responded to. This great news changes people. It changes the individuals. It changes families. It changes towns. Church, I, I just want to encourage you. Imagine a world. Imagine a world. I, I often ask myself, what, what motivated Paul and what motivates these great missionaries to go, to go forth and share the good news, to put their very lives at danger, and many times to give their lives for the gospel. And this is something I reflected on this week, and just thought for a minute, imagine a world where everybody believed, where everybody was faithful to Jesus. Just imagine a world like that. There'd be no need for police officers. Kyle, you'd be out of, out of a job. There'd be no need for that because we'd be so in love with Jesus, we wouldn't want to break any law. We wouldn't want to offend anybody. There'd be no courtrooms. There'd be no foster care system. There would be no divorce Man, lawyers, they wouldn't have a job. They'd be no divorce lawyers. They'd probably be no car wrecks either. Crime would go down. It wouldn't matter. I mean, politics wouldn't matter because it wouldn't matter if they could have abortion legal if they wanted to because the choice would always be life because we would love everybody. And same-sex marriage, who cares about that because we'd want a biblical definition of marriage. No one would practice such a thing. Imagine a world where there would be no more school shootings. 
There would be no great political divide. There would be no great racial divide. There would be no division at all. It would be perfect unity. It would literally be heaven on earth. And I want to tell you, the gospel has the power to do that right here in Dry Palm. Where the gospel is received, lives are changed. It's happened in the past, and I just want to tell you, it can happen again. We'll never be perfect. We'll never have heaven on earth. But the more people that receive the truth, the more that are faithful to Jesus Christ, you can see it in every statistic in the world. All this other stuff just goes down, down, down. What is gospel fruit? Is it casting out demons? Is it speaking in tongues? Is it rolling around and acting crazy? Is it healing? Is it works of miracles? And I don't think you could say that that's gospel fruit. And I say that because of a few reasons. One, Jesus said that some would come to him one day and said, Lord, I've casted out demons in your name. And Jesus says, I'll say, depart from you. I never knew you. I also think about Judas and There's no indication that when Judas went out with the other disciples and they went out casting out demons, there's no indication that Judas didn't do the same thing. The disciples didn't say, hey, this guy Judas, for some reason, he's not having the same fruit we're having. No, the the fruit that Paul's talking about is the same fruit he talked about in Galatians. The fruit that changes the world, the fruit that gives forth hope, the the fruit that, that brings families together. The fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't you want that for you and your countrymen? Isn't that your desire? If it's not, it should be. I tell you, as a father, I hope my kids go to college. Man, it would be the coolest thing in the world if I got to see Jeremiah play for LSU or the Saints one day. That'd be awesome. There's... My mind goes in a million different places, the things my children could do. But I tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, my heart's desire for them and you is that they would have a life filled with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I hope they'll be like that. I hope they'll find a spouse like that. I hope they'll find a church family like that. I hope they'll find a workplace like that. I hope they'll live in a community like that. And the only way that happens is if the people of God embrace faith in Jesus. The gospel changes the very world around us. We read about uh, Epaphras here. Like I said earlier, he's likely the founder of this church. And he had a part in this. And, and Paul calls, calls him out and says, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, is a faithful minister in Christ Jesus on your behalf. He acknowledges him. And I don't know if he's mentioned anywhere else or how many all other times. But this simple man who was not an apostle, just a disciple, he had a part in this. I just want to take a minute and tell you, church, you could have a part in changing the world as well. You can have a part in, in changing the life of a child. You can have a, point, a part in restoring marriages. You can have a part in changing eternity just by being faithful to Jesus, just like Epaphras. You don't have to have a, a Damascus Road moment like Paul. Just be faithful. And lastly this morning, let's look at Paul's prayer for the saints and the faithful brethren, verses 9 and 10. And I put this in your bulletin as well. He says, for this reason, 
because of your faithfulness and because of the fruit that's going out. For this reason, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I think it's such a beautiful prayer. And as I was reflecting on that this morning, I'll just share with you in my office, word for word, I knelt down and I prayed this for I prayed this for y'all. Because you see, today when we gather together, our prayer list looks it looks much like a a, a a butler list, asking God to take away this physical ailment or asking God to bless us financially. Paul's prayer didn't look like that. Paul's prayer Pray that they'd be filled with the knowledge of His will, with all wisdom and understanding. Because Paul knew, he knew if they could just grasp this, then anything that, that came their way, anything that they would have to deal with, faithfulness and fruit would solve it all. He also prayed that they would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful and increasing in their knowledge of God. Paul's desire for this church that he had never met, just that he had heard about, was that they would be faithful and they would produce fruit, that they would grow closer to God day by day, week by week, year by year, and that they may be able to take the good news and share it with others. Man, what does your prayer life look like? What's your desire for, for your brothers and your sisters in Christ? We should take our petitions to God. And, and man, I, I got devastating news last night that a family member has pancreatic cancer. And I'll pray for him and I'll pray for peace. And I'm not, going to, I'm not suggesting we stop praying for that. But I am suggesting that we start praying for faithfulness and fruit. I ask you this morning, do you have faith? Are you being faithful you know, one way you really know if you are is, is there fruit? Is there fruit in your life? What's in your life today since you found Jesus, since you found that faith? You show me a, a faithful Christian, I will show you fruit from that faith. Have you received this wonderful gospel that Paul was writing about? If Paul was writing you a letter, if Paul was writing First Baptist Dry Prong a letter, would he say to the faithful saints and brethren, or would he say, First Baptist, drop wrong. I'm proud to be a Baptist. I'm proud to be a member here. But man, I hope my identity is found in Christ. I hope he'd say to my faithful brother in Christ. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope that you have faithfulness and I hope that you are bearing fruit. I hope you know faithfulness is important. I hope you understand our faith should be in Christ and nothing else. That that faith brings forth hope and the gospel brings forth fruit. And to pray for the saints and the faithful brethren in your life. I hope you'll join us for worship at First Baptist Drive Prong every Sunday. Worship is at 10 a.m. and evening worship at 6 p.m. Have a great week.